Welcome to Latte with a Lawyer, a podcast dedicated to bringing you the stories of some of America's most successful lawyers, figuring out what makes them tick, how they creatively solve problems, and how others aspiring to be them can follow in their footsteps. Okay, guys, uh, welcome to another uh, episode of Latte with a Lawyer. Today we have an interesting guest, Matt Ridley, who's with the uh, firm... um, I'm going to make sure I get this thing right here. Thomas Thomason Hafer, is that right? That's right. Good. And, and you're a uh, you work for with healthcare professionals, and you're a defense attorney. Yes, that's correct. Uh, primarily, I defend medical malpractice actions. I also represent all sorts of healthcare providers in investigations before the Department of State, uh, medical board licensure actions, and then all sorts of other issues that come up in their practice. Okay, good. Well, before we, we kick it off, we got, I got to ask you the basic question. What, what gets you started in the morning? What's your favorite morning beverage to get things going? Yeah, well, I was going to make a joke because yesterday was Cinco de Mayo <laughs> about Alka-Seltzer, but I'm not going to do that. You um, can. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, the Nectar of the Gods, which is Wegmans breakfast blend, uh, K-cup coffee, that's what I go with. It's uh, it's my new go-to. I like sort of a milder coffee, but I, I drink these and double fist with water all day. So, nice. Yeah. Wegman, so you've, you've immediately, uh, you've located yourself, right? Because that's a Northeast. Okay. Right. We're in uh, Central PA in uh, Harrisburg area, and we have uh, been blessed with a Wegman store nearby. So it's good. Yeah, I've been to Wegmans. They're not national, right? It's like, a, it's a really kind of high-end um, local market. I think. Yeah, that's about that's about right. They have good yeah. uh, good uh, bread and and good uh, fish for for a central Pennsylvania. It's it's all right. Yeah. So when you say central Pennsylvania, you mean like so my uh, my niece actually just uh, she's graduating from Bucknell in that mm-hmm. area. Yeah, Bucknell is uh, about an hour's drive north of us or so. Okay, yeah. got it. It's real nice. Okay. We're, we're uh, almost uh, slightly slightly east. Um, um, in the center of the state, more toward the Philadelphia side. Uh, so about an hour, hour, hour. Oh, towards Harrisburg? Like towards Correct. Harrisburg? Yeah. Okay, okay. Got it, got it, got it. Now, I know, I know that area. Well, I, I lived in a, the D.C. metro area for a long time. And um, we used to make our annual p- pilgrimage to the uh, Hershey Park. Oh, yeah. Yep, that's uh, right nearby. It's a heck of a drive in, in traffic, though, from D.C. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't bad. I mean, I think that's one of the nicest parks in the country, actually. It's beautiful. Really well-kept, clean. Just a, it's, a, it's a good place to, to go for a day. Definitely. Great place to take children, too. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, all right, so good. So you, uh, you work with healthcare professionals. Tell us more about what you do and what your practice involves. Okay. Well, so the, the firm is a civil defense litigation firm. We have offices all over the place, uh, Harrisburg, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, uh, Allentown, Wilkes-Barre, Washington, D.C. We have a couple in, in Virginia, a couple offices out in New Jersey, and we handle all sorts of defensive civil lawsuits. Uh, we do a lot of insurance defense, uh, defending auto cases or general liability, slip and fall type cases. We handle construction actions, malpractice actions, uh, insurance coverage issues, and my practice is focused on primarily defending healthcare providers, health systems, and hospitals in malpractice lawsuits that arise. Um, additionally, I'll, I'll handle, uh, as I said, uh, licensure issues for uh, providers, 
which could be you may have a physician who had a, a malpractice case settle and then it's reported to the national practitioners database and then the board will come and investigate and see what happened and whether uh, there was some violation of the uh, the uh, medical practice act and what we can do is once we're retained we can help def it's almost like a police investigation so you the attorney will interact with the investigator sit through the interview and present an explanation that hopefully staves off a disciplinary action. Got but, it. You know, once a disciplinary action comes, that's sort of an action against your license, administrative law. We'll represent uh, medical providers in those actions. And sometimes that will result in, you know, uh, working it out with a consent agreement, or we may defend a practitioner in an administrative law trial, which is uh, uh, so, sort of like a jury trial, except you have a hearing examiner who's the judge and jury and uh, your license is on the line in those situations. Okay. So, so what happens when someone loses their license? Do you help with that as well? Absolutely, absolutely. Now, um, for example, you might have a case where a physician's license is suspended for five years. Upon the expiration of that period in time, the physician would need to petition the board for reinstatement of that license. So we handle those sort of things all the time. Uh, we run into clients who uh, unfortunately may have had a, a drug or substance abuse uh, problem that took them out of practice for a yeah. while and they can rehabilitate themselves okay. upon at the appropriate time you can petition the board and present the case that this person has uh, been rehabilitated as, and now is safe as to return to practice and we can uh, 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 help have a license returned um, there's also sort of administrative application process uh, there's sort of the legal end and then the, the administrative end. We can also help providers just handle you know, simple app, what should be a simple application process, but we can kind of present it in the best way to kind of streamline that. Got it, got it. So is most of your work with the physicians directly as opposed to the healthcare operation? It, it really depends on the, the type of case. I've had for the licensure cases, most times it's an individual practitioner, a nurse or a physician yeah. uh, coming, coming to us uh, for, for assistance in whatever the issue may be. The malpractice actions generally were retained by either an insurance company or a health system uh, for representation. It could be a hospital and then several agents of the hospital, doctors, nurses, et cetera, or it could be, we could be asked to represent a single physician. Um, and then Sometimes those actions uh, require later on after a case settles some licensure type work. So we might be retained by a health system to assist a physician in a licensure action that results from a, from a malpractice. Got it, got it. So you have longstanding relationships with healthcare systems, I would imagine. Yes, many times. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So they come to you repeatedly. Yeah, that makes it a little bit easier in terms of getting business, right? Well, uh, maintaining client relations is, is key to yeah, return yeah. business. That's for sure. Um, it's, uh, it's great to have, you know, the, the, you know, without identifying any health systems, it's great to have, uh, some of the clients and the longstanding relationships. You build up a lot of institutional knowledge, yep. which can just makes defending things so much easier. You know, who to talk to, where to go, what to oh, review, yeah. general idea of policies that might yep. be an issue. That's very helpful. Well, you got uh, Penn State Hershey there, right? Cause I, I know that system is right there in yeah, Penn State Hershey's a great health system, yeah. a teaching hospital that is uh, out out near uh, uh, the park that, that yeah, we just sure. talked about, right? Yeah.
Yeah, we have, yeah. uh, there are several big health systems in the area. We have uh, Geisinger Medical Centers just north of us towards Bucknell, which you described. We have uh, UPMC health systems right in uh, UPMC. Oh, UPMC uh, as well? Okay. Is, is right in Harrisburg. So we have, uh, there, are, there are many, uh, many health systems out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, state of Pennsylvania, I know Pittsburgh in general is, is a big healthcare. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of healthcare providers. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh's big, Philadelphia too, and Johns Hopkins is in Baltimore just to the south of us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I went, I went to school in Pittsburgh, so I'm pretty familiar with some of the hospitals in, in that area. It's a, it's a big healthcare center. Pretty, it is, it is. Uh, yeah, I'm actually from, from south of Pittsburgh, uh, rural uh, greater Pittsburgh What's area. So, where? where are you from? Uh, it's Masontown, Pennsylvania. It's really, I, I wouldn't expect anyone to know of it unless they're from there, uh, close to the West Virginia border. But uh, no, Wheeling, West Virginia. Listen, I've been, absolutely. I lived in Pittsburgh. You're laughing about that. Yes. I, I, lived, I, I went to school in Pittsburgh and I lived out there for another three years. So I got to know the area pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Wheeling, uh, that's where the casino is for, for the listeners who aren't familiar, but uh, you can have a lot of fun out there for sure. Racetrack, there's still a, uh, there was a dog track there two years ago. Yeah, I believe it's still out there. Yeah. Yeah, that, that brings back some memories and some smiles <laughs> for sure. I bet. So, um, so tell me, uh, give me, give me an example, like a, of a fun or interesting case that you worked on that sort of stands out. Uh, well, fun or interesting. All right. Well, so, you know, in addition to the malpractice work I do, it seems like if it's a big, weird case, it might hit my desk. Okay. So, uh, fun or interesting case I had or memorable. A, I mean, we, you can get yeah. the adjective, but just one that sort of stands out. The one that pops in my head, I had a. And I'll just, the caveat is I do support our men and women in blue. I think they have a tough job for sure. It's a very dangerous one. Yes. I represented a homeowner who got into a shootout with a state trooper. Oh. Um, the, uh, the homeowner was a, still is a successful uh, uh, owner of a, of a construction company. And he, a former Golden Gloves boxer, so kind of a, a feisty guy. Wow. The trooper was also a feisty guy in his own right. He had a disciplinary his, history, big former college football player. Uh, rather than his uh, standard sidearm, he, he walked around with a 357 Magnum revolver. Oh boy. And uh, you know, the day these two guys met, it was, it was not good for anyone. Um, my client was out uh, near his stables, you know, cleaning up, getting ready for a party, he had an argument with his wife, drove his truck home, a little angry. Uh, took a turn too sharply, fishtailed a little bit, knocked over a mailbox. So this is what this all started over was a mailbox. Uh, had a call with the homeowner and it wasn't resolved to the mailbox owner's satisfaction. So she called the police. Um, so the, uh, a lot of this I have from the dash cam. So I got to see this as if it was on TV. Uh, state trooper comes to the gate of this beautiful mansion. And you see the, the wife made it home and came down to talk with him. She didn't want to let him on. The cops investigating this as if it's a hit and run. It's really, it's a mailbox. He's doing his job. Sure. But uh, she wouldn't let him in and he's radioing to his supervisors. Hey, can I jump this fence? Okay, over, over this incident. Ultimately, she lets him in and if you can picture the screen. I'm trying to, yeah, picture's worth a thousand words. I'm trying to do it in less than that. Yeah. Picture the screen, the gate's at the bottom of your screen. There's a long driveway toward the top of the screens and the house is up there. So eventually the gate opens, cop pulls up about halfway, 
couple uh, German shepherds come running out, oh, like the German shepherds that know, you know, the German commands, yeah, yeah. whatever they are. <laughs> and so the, the troopers in his car and you see my client come walking down, looking like he's ready for action. He's walking like it's the wild west. All right. Towards this cop car, ready for a confrontation. The men start talking through the driver's side window and the trooper looks like he's going to get out of the car and my client maybe bumps the door, maybe intentionally closes it. Everybody, bad idea, okay? So the trooper pulls out his taser and my client tries to grab the taser through the window. Oh boy. Okay, so it's escalating, it's escalating. Trooper gets out of the car. You can see on the video, my client sort of passes from the, pass, from the driver's side to the passenger side with his hand out. Trooper has his 357 revolver pulled now. And my client kind of hightails it, fast walking in a Heisman pose up to the house with his wife following. So you're thinking, watching the video, you're like, first time, oh boy, I hope maybe my client's going in there to cool down, hide for a little bit. Well, he actually goes in and retrieves an assault rifle. <laughs> so you see on this video, the police officer kind of uh, does a little circle around the house. The garage is on the left-hand side of this, this big home. Uh, at the top of the screen, you see him wheel around. My client apparently set up in the garage and the trooper sees my client. There's a discrepancy as to what exactly happened. Tells him to freeze, shots are fired, hits my client in the left side of the abdomen. Uh, a pretty gnarly hole from a 357. And my client alleges that he was shot in the back. Trooper says he was pointing the rifle at him. Nevertheless, my client somehow survives, wheels around, shoots a few shots center mass at the trooper, blowing a few of his fingers off, frankly, and a hole in his leg. So that's the scenario. Trooper later files suit, and I have to figure out what the heck am I gonna do with this case? Wow. Yeah, so that's the fact scenario. That's, and that's an amazing case. <laughs> Wait, so you're defending the- uh, the, the homeowner. Okay. Yes, and, and his wife. So the, the trooper sued the- the husband on theories of assault, negligence, et cetera, sued the wife on theories of, of negligence, saying that she basically, alleging she acted as a human shield. Okay, she followed him into the house. It was, I thought it was a pretty weak claim against her, but I think the reason they did that is because in Pennsylvania, if you wanna go after someone's assets, if it's marital property and you win a case against the husband, that, that property is still partially the, wife, the wife's and you can't go after an, a house, attach a house, for example. Right. So they sued them both. There was a large you know, million dollar or so uh, policy involved. I got hired by the insurance company. And now the interesting, well, I'll just say this, you know, what do you do with a case like that? Um, you know, you got to use some tools and kind of think outside the box. So what I needed first was time to review this. There was a criminal trial. There's a massive record, surveillance video, et cetera. So one of the things I did was in response to the civil action complaint, the pleading with the allegations, you can file objections to it in Dauphin County, Harrisburg. I know that's gonna give me 90 days or so. And I had, I had legal basis to do it. I'm not willy nilly filing these. But anyway, long story short, gave myself more time. And then you try to figure out, well, what do we do? It's a bad case. It's going to take years to get to trial. I mean, frankly, for me, it would be it would be great. I'd get maybe some publicity out of it, but I got to look out for the clients, uh, which I'm happy to do, and which is obviously the key consideration. So, you know, we we know there are issues, and 
we know it's going to be very expensive to try it. So it looks like a case we should settle. You know, win, lose, or draw. It's going to be so expensive to try. We're going to burn through uh, a, a ton of the insurance company's money. So we had a few, a few issues. Uh, the, the policy doesn't cover intentional acts, like intentionally shooting someone. So in my pocket, I have an argument that, hey, plaintiff, if we make it to trial, you're going to win on an intentional shooting, and there's not going to be any money there. Right. Second, this claim against the wife is so weak, you're not going to win and be able to attach this, this house. So I have, I have these arguments to use as leverage. Long story short, we go to mediation. And based on sort of these creative arguments outside of who's at fault, nuts and bolts, that sort of thing, we were able to resolve the case, uh, really, really come to a great resolution for the insurance company. And the trooper did get some compensation, which ultimately, you know, yeah, I would think so. That sure. wasn't so bad, right? That, that's I got to tell you what that is quite a story. We've we've got some crazy ones. I have some crazy ones. That, that, that so that's not defending physicians. Obviously, that's a different kind of defense case. That's right. That's right. Uh, now we do see um, some crazy scenarios with physicians. Never had one involved in a shooting of a police officer before, and I hope we never see that again. Frankly, wow, that's that's insane. That is that is quite a story. So, so let me ask you a question because I'm just tack, you said you had to prepare for it and get ready and, and really think about it. how do you do that? Like, how do you prepare for a case like that? Well, so at the beginning, not all of them are that complex, frankly. Sure. You know, I might defend a, a rear end or car accident where the facts are real easy to figure out. Hey, this person was stopped and my client hit him at 12 miles an hour. Yeah. Now they're alleging neck pain. That's pretty easy. You review some records, review a police report, talk to some people. This one, because of the complexity, I knew that I needed more time to figure out. Um, you know, my client is, uh, for example, he was incarcerated at the time. But one of the things I had to figure out is, do I answer pleadings knowing that he has his, he has his own story, but a jury might not like it? Do I even want him to tell the jury that? It might inflame them. So, yeah, so my question is, how do you test that? Think, I'm curious, I'm drilling down a little bit on that because yeah, I'm sure. curious, like, how do you test your argument to know how a jury might react to that? Well, well some of it's just from experience, you know, do you I've do been focus doing groups. Do you do, mock, do you do those kind of things? This, so some cases you may have, I've had a case with a mock jury uh, trial situation. That was a malpractice case that was worth about seven figures deep into the seven figures. So it was a huge case with yep. multiple firms on it. Um, this situation early on, you also have to think of expense, relative expense. So that was a seven-figure case. This is probably a six-figure case, a low six-figure case. Got it. Um, and hopefully less than that when you when you negotiate it, which it was in the end. Um, so you have to be efficient with use of, of client resources. Thankfully, in our firm, we have a ton of seasoned attorneys who've seen all kinds of factual scenarios. So what I can do is I sit there, I think about things, come up with a plan, and I can run it by one of my partners whose practice, I, I'm here 16 years, someone may have been practicing 36 years. Yeah. And we can run those ideas. And, 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 and also, you can talk to a layperson, you know, keep things confidential, but just say, you talk to a, a sister or a brother or a friend and say, hey, how does this factual scenario strike you? What would you think if someone made this argument? Got it. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that, that's, that's quite a case. <laughs> It was. They're they're not all that uh, that interesting, but uh, we do get a, a quite a few quite a few crazy cases with with malpractice and and uh, the licensure stuff. Uh, malpractice, you know, if you're interested in medicine, 
that's where it's interesting. If you're not, they're probably horribly, horribly boring. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Does, does the state, so I live in the state of Florida. Does the state of Pennsylvania have a stand your ground law too? Because uh, it kind of sounds like that, the way you're describing it. Yeah, well, I, I don't think it applies. And I, I probably looked this up when I was reviewing the case. I don't think it applies to an officer legally on your property. Hmm. And I'm, I'm assuming, I don't recall for sure, but I'm assuming a lot of deference is given to, given to the officer. For example, if a police officer shows up at your house with a warrant, you can't shoot on the county right. doctrine. It's not going to apply, you right? Right. But uh, we don't have Florida law, from my understanding, like reading, reading newspaper and watching the news, seeing some of these stories yes. seems to be perhaps a little broader than Pennsylvania's. Pennsylvania does have uh, some, it might be the castle doctrine. It's been a while. This yeah. might be law school. Yeah, I was just curious. Matt, yeah, I don't think, this, I don't think like the that. demographics are the same, but they're probably maybe not that different. I mean, just based on the voting block. Right. Yeah. It, it's yeah. uh we're certainly uh it's philadelphia pittsburgh and then red in between so that's right yeah yeah that that, that hence my question that's why i was just curious. exactly demographics i i, I got what you're getting at yeah 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 um yeah state of, i mean I'm, I'm from boston originally so you know coming down here it's been a it's been a bit of an awakening for me just with the uh, the politics and the landscape yeah it's interesting it seems like things have changed over the years, um, you know, southwestern Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh area, even into the, the rural area where I was from, was heavily Democratic for years. Mm. Um, it might be—I don't know how to put it. There's a term for it. I don't know if it's like conservative Democrats or or what. But um, you know, right around the time of the uh, Hillary Clinton Trump election, when it seemed like the national news media was telling us or suggesting Hillary was a slam dunk here. You know, I'm driving around rural Pennsylvania. And all I see are Trump signs. Yeah. yeah so it, sure. it was still a surprise, but it it uh, it seemed like people were not really seeing what was happening in, in uh, certain parts of the country. Yeah. Well, this culture, it's it's a culture. It's about culture. It's not about, you know, economics. Right. I mean, Democrats used to vote, you know, think about uh, it was more about the working class, but because of the cultural undertone it's changed right so yeah I, I, well i certainly think things are changing and and things are definitely appear to be becoming more divisive you pick a camp and you you're fighting you defend you know, it you now for your camp right yeah well, hey, anyway whatever i, I don't want to get from the tangent but right it is interesting i'm sure that sort of plays into your cases anyway i'm sure just based on the demographics well right so when evaluating a case and, and trying to figure out what it's worth, for example, yeah. you know, what kind of story yep. uh, a jury would buy, you want to think about where are you trying it? You know, we right. have we have cases that are in Dauphin County where uh, Harrisburg is the county seat uh, and the demographics of a jury there are going to be different from somewhere out towards Bucknell, where it's more rural uh, area. It's just the way it is. So, yeah, we, we certainly have to. Is, Har is, Harrisburg, is Harrisburg more democratic, more like Pittsburgh, Philadelphia? In this, I would say in the city of Harrisburg, yes, I would say it, it leans democratic, and then the surrounding areas are, are essentially Trump country. Yeah. So it's uh, you know there are also a lot of professionals out here. There are, are uh, 
you know, it's almost uh, without exception, isn't it? It's interesting. I remember talking to somebody in Canada. They said the same thing. He said to me, um, we had a conversation about, um, you know, our product and he made the comment that stuck with me. He said, a rural equals conservative. And almost without exception, right? doesn't matter where you are. Yeah, it kind of seems that way. It kind of seems that way. Another thing to think about, though, is especially when we're dealing with a big client, like a large insurance company who's the defendant or a large health system who's the defendant. Even in a rural county, you're going to have the David versus Goliath, you know, Pennsylvania. Uh, pardon me. You know, the United States, we love the underdog. Right. So if it uh, even in a rural, generally conservative county, that might help for damages. But if if you know the sense is that it's a big guy beating up on the little guy, things mm -hmm. might not go your way. Where where if it was a car accident between two individuals, yeah. it might be easier to defend that case. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of strategy involved. I mean, it's very strategic. I mean, you know, talk to lots of lawyers, and it's fascinating to listen to the strategy based on the case, right? Yes, it's always it's always different, and you know coming up with a strategic plan that's really, you know, behind just reviewing a document, et cetera. That's really where all the magic happens. It's where you yeah. figure stuff out, yep. you know, which is really in the end what it's all about. Right. So how did, how did you get into uh, law and becoming a lawyer? What, what was your path toward yeah. to that? Well, you know, I, I wish I could say that I had, you know, some well thought out plan as a young person to end up where I did. Um, I think uh, growing up as a kid, it was always something I thought I might do. You know, I was uh, good at uh, critical reading comprehension type type exams. I like to argue. I like to talk myself in and out of trouble yeah. um, <laughs> and help other people when I can. Um, in college, I was in a journalism program at Penn State uh, broadcasting, and I didn't really want to do the news, but I liked I liked putting a TV show together and playing with the audio editing, you know, video editing equipment, making a presentation. Yep. Um, and the time came where I was I was ready to graduate, uh, considering my credits. What I, I wasn't ready to hit the job the job place yet. I didn't have the resume tape, so I, I probably would have needed another year just playing with equipment and coming up with a resume tape. Or an alternative was you know sit for the LSAT and consider law school. And I took the LSAT, uh, didn't prep for it too hard, but did pretty well on it yep. and talked with the counselor and we decided this is a good idea. And uh, to me, law school was just, I wanted to continue my education. It was a great place to do it. Just, you know, uh, learning about, uh, I was really into constitutional law at the time, but just uh, being around a bunch of intelligent people arguing and trying to figure things out was, was really exciting. And then, uh, at the end of law school, I, I worked up quite a debt and I needed some way to pay it off. So I entered the, the, uh, entered the legal profession and here, here I am. Excellent. But it's been, a, it's been a good ride. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're from that era? Is that where you grew up? Well, yeah. Like I, I said, I'm from the southwestern portion of the state. So uh, 60 miles south of Pittsburgh, almost towards West Virginia. And uh, Penn State's out in the center of the state. Yes. Yeah, but sort of my uh, law school was in here in the Harrisburg area, I should say, uh, Penn State Dickinson School of Law, it's in Carlisle. And, um, you know, when I graduated in 2006, it was probably just the beginning of the Great Recession. Mm. And for me, it was, I needed a job or else I was going home to rural Podunk, Masontown. <laughs> uh, so my first interview was with the Workers' Compensation Appeal Board with the Commonwealth, and I got a job offer 
So that I took it immediately and uh, I've been in the area ever since, kind of yeah. working my way up yeah. you know, slowly. Actually, I, I have a good friend who uh, also went to Penn State and went to Dickinson Law. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's, all, he's older than you are, but um, same thing. And, and, he, and he grew up in the uh, Harrisburg area. Yeah, it's, it's really a great law school. And I think I've heard on some of these podcasts, um, at least on one or two, a sense of you know, certain law schools don't always prepare students to practice in the real world. That's one of the things I loved about Dickinson. If you, if you took the right classes for sure, it, it sort of did give you, give you a head start on sort of practical application. Of oh, law, interesting. I really appreciate it. Were, they, str were they stronger in, in part, certain parts of law than others? I, I don't know if I'd say that, but what I would say for sure is, you know, where certain people might argue that a law school didn't prepare them to practice, I felt like Dickinson would do that. More practical, more, more hands-on. Yeah, it definitely had that aspect. Oh, that's good. So, that's great. Mm -hmm. um, interesting. So, uh, advice for somebody that wants to get into law today would you advise someone to, to go down that path and what do you think makes a good lawyer well it's it's tough to advise somebody whether to go through the path or not it takes a lot of consideration on that part of that person what do they really want to do it i would probably recommend to some a young person or any person looking to get into law would be talk to a couple lawyers see what they have to say about it what are your ideas of what a law career would look like to you? And then check it against the real world and see if that's accurate. Um, one of the things I hear is that, for example, kids, kids, I say, young adults straight out of law school have expectations for salaries and workload. And sometimes the salary they think they're going to get goes along with a much higher workload than what they're ready to, right. to, uh, to do. So anyway, just one of the, I think, good pieces of advice would be check your expectations against the real world and then see if you really want to do that. Cause it is, it's a, an arduous journey through law school and it's expensive. Yeah. And if you, if you go through that and don't want to do it, you're going to, it's, it's going to be trouble. You can do other things, but uh, you might as well, you know, make a, make a clear decision and figure out what you want to do before jumping in. Yeah. Well, you got to love it. I assume you love practicing law. So it's, it's not so hard for you. You know, I do. Some parts are better than others. It's not all uh, gravy. But I tell you, uh, you know, having uh, a good client who you really want to help and then taking a tough situation and bringing about a great outcome, it's it's its own reward. And it's it is really great and kind of keeps me going. Oh, good. Excellent. Um, and since we're, we're a technology company, I want to ask you, I mean, what's your view and what's the firm's view on using technology for your yeah. profession? Yeah, so I'm, I'm always open to employing new technology. I mean, I see myself as sort of maybe the last generation Xer, the youngest generation Xer, but we had computers growing up. Yeah, we had a Commodore 64. Commodore 64, what, there you go. <laughs> we used to have what they called uh, IBM compatibles, which were just knockoff PCs that ran DOS. You know, I would help the teacher with the Apple IIc in school. Um, and so I'm, I'm always you know, willing to play with the new toy and, and see how it can apply to law practice. And then you know, the firm as a whole, we use technology in every aspect of what we do, billing software, email, uh, uh, video conferencing like we're doing today yeah, yeah. Uh, for depositions and client meetings. We use um, you know, secure uh, document storage and exchange. And we have, a, we have a brilliant IT department who's always got their eye on what, what do we need to upgrade? What new things are out there? 
and then sort of management will look at what's cost effective for our clients, et cetera. But yeah, we're always uh, looking for new technologies and, and bringing them in and, and putting them to use for our clients' benefit. Okay. Oh, yeah, no, I know the larger firms have, you know, they have like an innovation group, right? Practice management. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume you guys don't have that. And so you rely on like an IT group. That doesn't, does that also include uh, lawyers as well as part of that group? Well, the, the IT folks are our technical folks, but um, I'm, not, I'm not absolutely certain whether we have a formal innovation group. However, what I am certain is that we have partners who take the lead in uh, technological advances. For example, yeah. we are now essentially paperless. We had a, a partner, uh, Charles Peoples, who uh, runs the DC office, ran with that initiative. And we went from, over a period of time, went from the old sort of paper paper system and streamlined yeah. everything and now are, are almost essentially paperless. Oh, great. Um, I just got an email today or yesterday from another partner who was analyzing uh, use of software that the paralegals employ for medical chronologies and case reviews. And we're looking at upgrading that and changing. So we, uh, so I'm not sure, certain that we have a group like a, a huge firm would have, but we certainly have partners who are keeping their eyes on oh, good. Excellent. We're always innovating. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, there's always, you know, a bit of a uh, gap sometimes between like IT and then the business user, right? In terms of yes. what makes sense. Yes, and and hopefully, I mean, we are a large firm. We're not uh, how many lawyers? We're not among the the largest in, in the world, of yeah. course. But we do have uh, uh, a direct route of communication with the tech people and with the the partners who would understand that and can kind of explain it to maybe the rest of us who yeah, are, aren't sure. as technologically attuned. And then we relay that, uh, those communications to the clients and it, it seems to be working well for us. Got it. How many, how many lawyers do you guys have? Well, I think I looked the other day and we are in the eighties. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. what, so, I mean, obviously it's not AM law 100, but I mean, what, in terms of the, the spectrum, where does that, is that a midsize firm? Is that a, I would say we are. I would say we are on the spectrum of large firms. Okay. But we're we perhaps we're lower on the spectrum of large firms. But I, I think we'd be considered a large firm. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know. I mean, I know you have the big giant, you know, firms, um, and then you have a lot of small ones. I didn't know what was in the middle. Yeah, so. we're we're fairly large. Uh, you know, I've, I've described all the offices we have. We're not overseas yet, but we are steadily expanding. We're uh, looking to open perhaps a new office or two in Virginia. I could see in the future potentially expanding into West Virginia, for example. We're in uh, you know, several states already. We're, we're large and, and growing. Got it. Excellent. That's good stuff. Good. Well, listen, this has been an interesting conversation. So if somebody wants to reach you, how, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, well, our uh, firm website is www tthlaw.com okay. I can be via email that's a great way I have my email with me all the time m ridley r i d l e y at tthlaw.com excellent good well listen this has been a lot of fun and uh, again we had uh, Matt Ridley with Thomas Thompson Hafer here and the show is sponsored by Emotion Track and we use um, artificial intelligence to collect Um, nonverbal insights that people use for mediation and uh, trials. So thanks again, Matt. Thank you. Appreciate it.